stay up to date on the green and gold all off season. The green and gold fix podcast is brought to you by Potawatomi casino hotel, luxury stay, elite play unwind in sophisticated comfort, win big dine and experience the events in Milwaukee. The MVP is back and ready for another run at the Lombardi. And Rodgers takes quick throw right side to Monte over the shoulder. End zone. It is a touchdown. This is a special Packers show. I think it's the right perspective and the right type of focus. Uh, we know we have a talented team. We know what the expectations are. Now broadcasting live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Here's Brian D. and Gabe Neitzel. says Packers season like this music. Like, I have listened to the Green Bay Packers radio network, I mean, since I was a kid. And this music, I feel like, has been there for the last 20, 25 years. And this will always get me excited for Green Bay Packers football. I am Gabe Neitzel along with Brian D. We are live here at Summerfest. Yeah, come check us out. We're broadcasting live from the Grubel Offices Sports Zone. Come hang out with us. Check out our WTMJ ESP Milwaukee Street team as you pass by. They've got some bags game with awesome prizes plus the chance to win some Brewers tickets. And we are here this afternoon to talk a little green and gold on the eve of the season opener tomorrow in Jacksonville as they take on the New Orleans Saints. Now you've got me thinking about my favorite football intro music, like of the different networks, yeah. you know, because they all, they've all got a different twist on their intro music. Sure. I'm trying to think which one's my favorite now. 800-990-3776. What is your favorite network football music that gets you hyped for the football season? I kind of want to put Monday Night Football last. I know that sounds crazy, but the dun-dun-dun-dun, you know, I know that's exciting, but... Something about weeknight just doesn't do it for me. Well, I mean, Monday Night Football is no... I mean, it, it started when Sunday night started to be able to do a flex scheduling, and Sunday night became the night when yeah. NBC got it, and they got Al, and John Madden was doing those games, and Monday night just kind of lost its way. I think I'm going to take uh, Waiting All Day for Sunday Night by Carrie Underwood. Does that count? I know it's not technically like intro music. No, but if, no, if it gets you, it's, it's certainly associated with Sunday Night Football. And I mean, it's I know just, they've got the you know. Yep, that's very good as well. But waiting all day for Sunday night, I love it because obviously Carrie Underwood's amazing. But I love that they customize it weekly too. Like that's going to be a big part logistically. I think about this every Sunday night. That's going to be a big part of her week. Like she's a major country music superstar, but she's got to cut out time twenty weeks a year. To, I don't know who writes that stuff. Maybe she does. I mean, at least for the first, I don't know, six, seven weeks of the season, she can knock all those out at once because it's not flex scheduling, right? Like, you know you've got the first six, seven games, but once flex scheduling comes... Yeah, then you gotta, you know, you gotta find fly. a way. It's on the fly. She's just gotta carve out some time in her week to recut uh, whatever the cute little rhyme they do is like, Rogers in the pack gonna take on the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> they're playing football tonight and they're not scared. You know, something like that. Like she's gotta find that. <laughs> I wasn't ready for it. No, I wasn't no, ready for it. <laughs> That's Joshy DiMaggio, by the oh, way. Oh, man. Holding the fort down in the Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all studios for this special Packers preview show. Uh, seriously, I want people to tweet in, call in, 800-990-3776. Hit us up at Brian JD on Twitter, at GNITEL16, at ESPN Milwaukee. 
And maybe we just put it as a poll question, because I guess I've never really thought about this either in terms of what is your favorite music network-wise that gets you ready for football season. Yeah. Because we're here. Like, we finally made it, and we did the dance. And, again, it happens every single year where we pretend that we care about preseason football, even though we know we don't really care about preseason football. But tomorrow, the game counts. Yeah. We are here for the Green Bay Packers, and I want to know what gets you excited, uh, what what you're listening to to get excited, uh, even today into tomorrow, whatever you whatever gets you running for, uh, for Packers football. Um, but this Packers team... I think they've got a bigger issue with Zadarius Smith than they do with Aaron Rodgers. Ooh. Because this Aaron Rodgers storyline, it really disappeared quickly. And I know he keeps talking about it when he goes on Pat McAfee and he's rehashed some things about what happened this offseason. But it seems really that there hasn't been any drama around Rodgers, teammate-wise, really at all during once he arrived. Yeah. I mean, once he arrived, yep. all the drama's mostly dissipated. But the drama just continues to build with Zedarius Smith. It started with the injury, uh-huh. and then it's like, oh, it's a hamstring injury, okay. But then he's kind of holding out for a little bit longer. Then we find out he's not happy about this contract. Well, then the Packers gave him some money for the contract. Because, again, so what they did is they, they took a bunch of the money uh, that he was owed. They turned it into signing bonus, but originally they weren't going to, much like you do with most signing bonuses, give that money up front. They were going to pay it out mm-hmm. just like they would have during the regular season. That didn't make him happy. And he's also not happy because the way his contract is now structured doesn't look like he's going to be here next year. So he doesn't have the security either. And now he's not voted as a team captain. Yeah. Like, it just seems that the things for Darius Smith that could be an issue continue to pile up, and it's making me a little nervous. Well, it's interesting you bring up that it started with the injury, because as you were saying that, I'm thinking to myself, did it really? Because, it, correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't it Darius Smith that had a little off-season drama about putting his house in Green Bay on the market? Yes, he did so have that tweet. It started even earlier than that, right? And then the injury happens, and Jason Wildy doesn't just throw stuff willy-nilly against the wall. Our Packers reporter, Wildy and Tausch, weekdays 9 to noon. He starts talking about how there may be more legs than just a minor back injury for Darius Smith. Maybe there's a contract dispute here. Um, and and uh, then he's he's been on social media a ton, right? He posted the photo... Earlier this week of him working out, and it said week one. And then later in the week, like you said, he doesn't get voted team captain, and he posts the wow, uh, the wow and the thinking emoji, which, is it about the team captaincy? Is it about his former teammates in Baltimore getting injured on the same day? Like, you're right, there has been a lot of drama surrounding Zadarius Smith. The other thing that is thrown into the mix with all this stuff is the emergence uh, of another young pass rusher in Green Bay, right? Rashawn Gary, the first day I was at Packers training camp covering it, I was there day one, he was one of three guys that jumped off the field. Like, you're just watching from a layman's perspective. You haven't seen football players up close and personal in, at minimum, six months, or for most people, like, a year and a half. 18 months. Right? And 52 was just like, whoa, that guy looks different, right? Um, So all of this, I think you're onto something here, that there could be more drama about Darius Smith and then you, you kind of you scope out further and you go, new defense, new scheme, new coordinator. None of these guys played in the preseason. What's tomorrow going to look like if he plays, if he's limited? I do think there is going to be some drama surrounding this Packers defense in the first few weeks. And here. it just makes me nervous because he is, I mean, he has been a team leader in the past. And they elected Adrian. I mean, I think they've got some. I mean, especially Adrian Amos. I think he's a very strong leader, especially in that secondary. They elect Amos and Jair and Jair Alexander and Kenny Clark mm-hmm. as the three defensive captains, whereas Darius Smith was a captain the last two years. 
But no matter what, like, Zadarius has been such a big part of this defense yeah. the last couple of seasons. And I do want to say this, like, the defense hasn't been, they haven't been terrible. No. Now, it hasn't been as good as the offense, and they certainly have had issues defensively at times, especially against the run. But Zadarius Smith has been such a big part of this defense since he arrived in Green Bay. He's got 26 sacks in the last two seasons to lead the team. So if you are taking somebody like that, yes, as good as Rashawn Gary has looked in, in, in some of those practices, and I'm glad that's happening because he was a number 12 overall pick. So for him to start to shine, you know, that for Brian Gutekunst, that's like, see, I knew it was going to take a little bit, mm-hmm. but I told you. A lot of reports about Preston Smith and how good he's looked, kind of bouncing back after a down year a year ago. So the outside linebacker spot looks good, but at the same time, you want Zadarius Smith to be productive. If you have all three of those guys working, then you can come up with different packages to have all three on the field and, and really be able to try to get after the quarterback. And if there's some, some issues around Zadarius Smith where, for the first time, I feel like you're, you're questioning Zadarius. Like, when he first arrived, you knew he was going to be a hard worker. Nothing but high praise from his teammates from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Felt like he had something to prove that, you know, hey, this is going to be my opportunity to start and really shine. And he's done that the last two years, making the Pro Bowl. But now there just seem to be a lot of questions about him. And, and again, that makes me nervous because he has to be a significant part of the Packers' defense in order for them to be as successful as they want to be. And as far as the captaincy thing goes too, Gabe, I do think it's worth pointing out that Matt LaFleur said 27 guys on the team out of a 53-man roster, half the roster received at least a vote from one of their teammates to be a team captain. So that says a lot about the leadership on this football team. And I would be astonished if Zadarius Smith was not one of those 27 guys oh, that got, sure a vote. got a vote. In addition, 10 guys got double-digit votes, and they whittled it down to 7. I wouldn't be surprised if Zadarius Smith got double-digit votes. So um, I, I, maybe the drama stems from that. I'm not sure, but you're right. There's, it's more than just that that has led to this, these question marks surrounding Z. Well, with Zadarius Smith, it's worth noting... A, because it's a team thing. It's not assigned by the coaching staff. Yep. So it's from your teammates. And they've only had three captains the last two years. Mm-hmm. It's been and it's been the same three captains. It was Aaron, it was Zadarius, and it was Mason Crosby. Mm-hmm. Like those were the three captains and um, you know, they would rotate some different, you know, game captain stuff. But the three guys that had C's on their jersey, which was an NFL thing that they implemented a number of years ago, having that, that C on the jersey, much like you see in hockey, like he was voted as the sole captain of the defense. And now they expanded that to three this year, probably because so many of them got votes, and he wasn't one of them. That it's still, He still probably got a bunch of votes from some of his guys, mm-hmm. but it's still certainly worth noting. So what are we getting at here for fans? Is it what's more concerning to you from a locker room perspective, the Rodgers issue or the Zadarius Smith issue? Um, because... I understand how this Zadarius thing could cause a schism in the locker room, but at the same time, he's not touching the football on every single play and is not nearly going to have the impact that Rodgers is. And I do think after the first loss, whenever it happens, the first loss could happen 10 weeks into the season, right? We don't yeah. know. They could. I, I, we just don't know when that's going to happen. Or maybe it never comes. And right. they just, you know, they go 20, you know, and, 20 and 0. Right. Sick. That'd be awesome. Um I'm not betting on that, by the way. There's just too much to happen. No, but it'd be cool. But But, I mean, I'm just saying, like, is it going to happen? No, but if it did, like, be sweet. But the first sign of adversity, right, even if it's not a loss, 
the questions are going to come about oh, yeah. Aaron, right? Uh, somebody uh, makes a big drop. MVS has an MVS moment that we're used to. Rodgers throws a couple picks in a game. Um, whatever the first sign of adversity is, the questions are inevitably going to come up about Rodgers. And if there's one, two, three games in a row where we keep getting those questions, does that cause a distraction in the room as well? I think the likelihood of that is higher than the likelihood of Zadarius Smith causing a big issue. I guess I'm, I'm also just not that concerned about Rodgers because he has such an ability to compartmentalize. Yeah. Um, he was obviously very frustrated last year as well. And he left, you know, he, he wasn't as vocal about it. We didn't know about the issues as much as we found out about them this past off season. But now that we know what we know about this past off season, it's pretty obvious he was upset last year too. Mm-hmm. And he still went out and had an MVP season. Mm-hmm. He's able to, he has that ability to be able to, all right, this is over here. This is what's in front of me. I'm focusing what's on in front of me. And for him, what's in front of him is a 17-game NFL season where he wants to get another Super Bowl ring. And the team is really good. Like The, the team yeah. is uh, uh, unquestionably, in terms of talent on the roster, top three in the league. right? So he understands the opportunity that lies ahead. Um, but at the same time, I, I agree with what you're saying. He was frustrated last year, but he's never gone into a season coming off of an offseason like he just had, right? So there is an unknown there when it comes to the adversity and how the team might handle it outside of just him. At the same time, I feel like, though, his guys have his back. Yeah, that's true. You know, most of that being on offense, whether that's a guy that he influenced to get back on the roster in Randall Cobb or Devontae Adams or David Bakhtiari once he comes back. It seems that most of those guys, Mercedes Lewis on offense, most of those guys on the offensive side of ball, have Aaron's back, and he has their trust. He has their respect. Uh, 800-990-3776, what is more concerning to you, the Aaron Rodgers offseason drama or the current drama that we are seeing with Zadarius Smith? We've also put it up on the ESPN Milwaukee poll uh, with our special Packers show going out from Summerfest. What's your favorite network NFL theme? NFL on Fox, Sunday Night Football, ESPN NFL primetime, NFL on CBS has not received a vote as of yet. Um, Clearly there is a winner here that isn't getting enough votes. I don't understand. It's a very much a favorite of all the producers here on ESPN Milwaukee. And that's ESPN NFL primetime. Sure, of course, yes. I mean, the, the, the two-minute drill music with Boomer, you know, whooping over it. Like, that's, that's just unbelievable. Yeah. You tell me that doesn't get you jacked for football? Packers. Bears. Boomer. Whoop! Like, it's just... You can't beat that. The frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. Oh, it just gets you fired up. This is like, oh, I'm putting off doing homework in elementary school to watch this. Is there an element of nostalgia that goes with this? Absolutely there is. I mean, because they brought it back, and primetime's now on ESPN+. It's not Plus. as good. It's not the same, and, and now they haven't had Tom Jackson the last two years. It's been Booger McFarland who's replaced him on the ESPN. This will be the second season with Booger, but... I mean, I still watch it, mostly wanna, just for this music. Uh, I want to try and do the Chris Berman, like, uh, like sound effect, and I think I'm going to fail miserably at this, but I did better with Carrie Underwood than I thought I was going to do, where he's, you know, when a, like a fullback is running through and he makes those sounds, like, Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't terrible. <laughs> no, that's one that wasn't bad. I mean, you I think know? you need to get a little more throaty. It, it, I know. You gotta, it, because you were just too much, there's too much puff. You got to get a little. No, see, that's good. Yeah, yeah, I think you can need to. Together, I think we could do okay there. It needs to come from your yeah, gut more. To... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a guttural, visceral. <laughs> Here's the problem, though. Like, 
you don't have a Chris Berman guy. Like, so it's really tough to draw down like he does in order to get that. I'm just... Just want to point that out. 800-990-3776. We are having fun out here at Summerfest. It's always great to be out here. Uh, swing by, say hello to us. And again, we want to say a big thank you to Major Goolsby's for keeping, keeping our team full each day out here at Summerfest. You can find them by the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard. Talking Packers until 2 o'clock here on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special Packers show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Fox theme as this is a special Packers preview show live from Severfest. I'm Gabe Nitzel along with Brian D. And we are asking what is your favorite network NFL theme song? Which one gets you going the most as we get excited for football? Uh, that's NFL on Fox. Although, admit, you guys are aware that the NFL on Fox has injury music, right? Where they no. pretty much take, you've never noticed this? So anytime that they are taking a break because of an injury, they have that theme but it's kind of it. It's it's almost like an acoustic piano version in a minor key. So it's a little bit more like, you know, a little more somber because it's you know somebody's hurt on the field. Somebody spray their ankle. <laughs> You've never noticed this before. Jair Alexander's cramping. Play the somber music. Oh, that's true. Now I know. <laughs> it's all coming back. Yeah, that's why. That's um, So that's the NFL on Fox theme. So we, we actually put it on Twitter. What's your favorite NFL uh, network theme song? We have NFL on Fox, NBC, Sunday Night Football, ESPN NFL Primetime, NFL on CBS. We didn't even put Monday Night Football on there. No. We didn't have a space for it. Uh, NFL on CBS is barely getting any votes. They're bringing up. They're in single digits. 9% of the vote right now. On our Twitter poll at ESPN Milwaukee, and you said, yeah. Brian, you do not remember the NFL and CBS music. Josh DiMaggio, do we have that to kind of refresh his memory? Oh yeah, see, I like this a lot, but you know what this screams to me? Uh, this screams like, "Welcome back into Jaguars Bengals." They're both <laughs> four and eight. There's an in the hunt graphic on the screen. It's week thirteen. They're fighting. They're both two games out of wild card spots in the AFC. See, I'm surprised that you did not remember the NFL and CBS because despite you wearing the Packers shirt that you are wearing today, yeah. your allegiances lie with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. You play most of their games on CBS. Correct. So, and you just described, I don't know, except for the last year, probably what, the last 10 years well, of your Bills so fandom? Let me explain this to you as well. So I think the reason, and you just hit on the pragmatic reason for why the NFL and CBS is not doing well in our poll, it's because the Packers never play on CBS, right? Yeah. Two games um, a year, that's it. And right. maybe if that, if one of their uh, AFC matchups happens to be a good game, maybe it ends up on Sunday night or Monday night football. So the reason I don't really remember the music, or I couldn't jog it until Josh, you played it there, was because uh, for you know 16 or 17 games a year when I'm watching my team play, a lot of times they're head-to-head with the Packers, and I'm watching in a sports bar where the audio in the bar ah. is the Packers game, and I'm watching on a 14-inch screen in the corner of the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so that's the reason I don't. Uh, it doesn't resonate with me as much as because uh, a lot of times I'm watching in a crowded bar. Uh, so yeah, you can vote on that, or you can give us a call eight hundred nine nine zero. 3776. As long as we're talking about the AFC, and, and I'm curious again if, if you have a take on what you're more concerned about, uh, Aaron Rodgers or Zadarius Smith, 
in terms of kind of the off-season and off-the-field drama that is built up around the two. It seems to me that Rodgers' drama has kind of dissipated ever since he reported to camp, and yep. the Darius Smith continues to, you know, and, and I guess the other thing about the Zadarius Smith situation is there are a number of Packers who are very obviously not pleased with their contract situations. Mm-hmm. Like, Rodgers isn't pleased with his contract situation, no. but he's still out there. He is. Devontae Adams, uh, you know, they're trying to work out extension with him. They have a apparently fundamental disagreement on what it means to be the highest paid wide receiver in the league, despite saying that he deserves to be the highest paid receiver um, his contract doesn't look like that's going to get done. Yeah, and while we're on that, and I'll glance over this quickly, like, does Devontae Adams really want to commit long-term to Green Bay right now? Uh, if they give him the money he wants, yes. But he could get that money anywhere. And if, uh, if, most places, if my, yeah. Mm-hmm. If my MVP quarterback is probably going to be gone next year, do I want to commit to... I get it. Money's money. That's yeah. great. But... Do I want to commit to Jordan Love throwing me passes and also being the highest-paid guy and living in Green Bay for the next four years if Rodgers is gone? I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know about that either. But, again, you, you, if you can protect yourself with, like, a four-year contract with a bunch of guaranteed money as a nice little insurance policy sure. against injury, sure. I think you do it. And, honestly, if the Packers wanted if the Packers wanted to commit long-term to Devontae Adams, they'd have already done it by yeah. now. But your point is well taken, that there are other yeah. contract disputes, issues. I would even say Preston Smith. I mean, yeah. Preston Smith renegotiated his contract, had to take a pay cut in order to stay in Green Bay. My guess is he's not happy with that, but at the same time knows that he has to go out there and perform this year to get some of that money back because he has incentives built into his contract where he can earn an, a, a significant chunk of the money back that he negotiated, much like Mason Crosby's contract from a few years ago when he underperformed as a kicker and, and the Packers gave him the opportunity and, and, and did that way. Um, so the way that he's handling versus the way some of his teammates have handled it, that, that also just kind of it sticks out maybe a little bit more um, to me because the way he's going about his business. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I don't know if that would cause a Giants issue in an NFL locker room because at the end of the day, these guys are pros and they understand the business uh, aspect of what's going on. And I, I think once the football starts, you're either trying to win or you're not. Um, but I, I could also see a situation where it's like, okay, dude, like we, we get it. Like Everybody's got contract issues at some point in time. Put it aside and help us win football games. We could win the Super Bowl this year. And at the end of the day, if I had to make a pick, I'm guessing Zadarius isn't going to be an issue any more than it has been the, the way it's played out once we get to the regular season. Maybe this just becomes a distant memory. Because, again, this is the first time I've really had any questions about Zadarius Smith. Yeah. And is, since he's arrived in Green Bay... He's worked hard. He's been out there. Has you know hasn't missed a game. He's played all 32 regular season games that he's been there for. So there haven't been questions around Zadarius Smith until now. So my guess is he, he's going to find a way to move past a lot of this. And I'm really curious to see how much, if at all, he plays tomorrow because. Early in the week, he was limited. Friday, he missed practice. Now, I don't know if that was injury-related or just them giving him rest and trying to get him uh, to the game healthy. I'm not sure. But maybe Gashi can pull this. Um, Matt LaFleur spoke on Friday in his, in his normal media availability, and it was interesting because Kenny Clark spoke and Adrian Amos spoke. And both of those guys were like, yeah, I mean, we hope Z can play. We hope he's out there to help us. Um, and then Matt LaFleur stepped to the podium, and he seemed... Uh, in my opinion, much less optimistic, which is a horrible way of describing that. But he, he didn't have the same 
optimism that Z was going to be able to play or play as much sounded like he was going to be limited in some capacity in Sunday's game. So let's go ahead and listen to what Matt LaFleur had to say yesterday about Jadarius Smith's potential availability for tomorrow's game in Jacksonville. Yeah, he seemed like it, but you know, again, it's you got to go out there and prove it on a daily basis. And um, so, uh, as far as where is he at and how many plays could he contribute, you know, uh, I, I can't answer that right now. <laughs> so that to me sounds like, and again, it's tough with Matt Lafleur. And the longer that a coach is here, like with, with Mike McCarthy. We kind of knew what his McCarthyisms meant, oh, right? Yeah. Like, we, we could decipher what Mike McCarthy was saying towards the end because he had been here for a decade. It's lonely being a warrior sometimes. So this being the third year of Matt LaFleur, like, that's, that's Matt LaFleur getting frustrated to me. That seems to me that Matt LaFleur is frustrated with the situation surrounding Zadarius Smith, and my guess is, based on the hamstring injury that this started with, and Zadarius's unwillingness to go through practice with that hamstring injury... Mm-hmm. You know, he's got questions now about Zedarius, and Zedarius has to prove to him that he doesn't have to worry about this. That being said, a back is a little bit different than a hamstring, yes. and backs are just incredibly tricky, especially when you're an edge rusher trying to get leverage and trying to, you know, really kind of pin down and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, use use your body to get around someone. That's That can be tough on the back. The fun part of that position, though, is... Let's say Z is limited tomorrow, and the Packers do that by design, and he gets, I don't know, 15 reps, like whatever it is, 15 snaps. Um, He could change the game with one play. Like when you're an edge rusher like that, somebody misses an assignment on the Saints' offensive line, Z bursts around the edge and gets a strip sack, fumble recovery, something in in a crucial moment. All of this goes by the wayside, right? So, like, that's the fascinating part of this position and the position the Packers have put Zedaria Smith in ahead of this opener. Yeah, without a doubt. 800-990-3776. What is your favorite network NFL theme song right now? NBC Sunday Night Football winning the poll with 41% of the vote on Twitter, and we just put it up. What one are you? Uh, what situation are you more concerned about regarding the Green Bay Packers, the Aaron Rodgers drama, or the uncertainty surrounding Zadarius Smith? Vote on that at ESPN Milwaukee. But we were just talking about the NFL on CBS, and usually AFC teams are on CBS. We're going to talk about the teams that have a legitimate chance to win the Super Bowl, AFC and NFC. That's coming up next as part of this special Packers preview show live from Summerfest from the Gruber Law Offices Sports Zone. This is a Summerfest special Packers show live from the Gruber Law Offices Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. This still does get me pretty excited, but I don't think of Monday Night Football. Like I think of 90s Monday Night Football when I think of this. And they've tried to bring this theme back as this is a special Packers preview show live from Summerfest. I'm Gabe Nutzel along with Brian D. And we have been asking what network NFL theme music do you like the best and what one gets you going. This one did not make it, the Monday Night Football theme song. But when I hear this again, I think of like Brett Favre era Packers. Brother, this is the last time Monday Night Football meant something yeah. big. Yeah. It, it, it's lost cachet. 
Uh, and now you, it's like you're annoyed when your team plays on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and like you, have to wait, you have to wait all weekend, then you work Monday, and you're like, oh, God, I'm tired from Monday at work, and i got to stay up late, and Tuesday's ruins. You know, it, it it's tough. Now, what I do like about playing on Monday Night Football is regardless of the result of your team wins or loses, a lot of times you have a short week to the next game, right? Yes. And this happens with football season. Uh, and I think Packers fans go through this for sure. Um, your mood throughout the week and throughout the fall is dictated by how your team does. And you're looking forward to the next week by Wednesday. Like, seriously, I get into a football cadence this type of year, or this time of year, where if my team wins, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is awesome. Yep. And then I can start getting excited for the next game. If my team loses, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it, it sucks. It's the worst thing ever. Like, but it, it gets progressively better, right? Yes. Like you know, like Monday it's bad. Tuesday it's still bad, but not quite. Yeah. Wednesday you're starting to get over. Maybe the other thing that's going into Monday Night Football now that I think about it is sometimes the NFL builds in extra rest for your team, so you have to wait longer. Sure. So you're waiting through the weekend to play, and then it's like, oh man, we like we're playing. Um, Next Monday night, or we're playing a Thursday, or we're going into the bye week, or something. Like I, I think maybe there's an element of that as well. What teams have a legitimate chance? Do you think to win the Super Bowl this year? Where do you want to start? Do you want to start AFC or do you want to start NFC? Um, let's start in the NFC. That's where the Packers are, and you know this is uh, I think a worthwhile discussion to have, Gabe. And I wrote about this in my in one of my extra points at WTMJ.com on Wisconsin's Morning News uh, earlier this week because I think going into this year. There are more teams than normal that feel as though that if everything clicks for them, they can win it all. Uh, normally, and maybe this is a byproduct of you know the Patriots era and Tom Brady, normally it seemed like there were just a handful of teams that really had a shot to win the Super Bowl, right? This year, I look around the NFC and I go, Dallas probably feels, and I know this is going to sound crazy, Dallas probably feels if everything clicks for them, they have a shot to get there because their offense is explosive and defensively they've got a nice young player in Micah Parsons that they're hoping can change things. So that's the one team out of the NFC East that I feel like they feel they have a chance. Everybody else, maybe Washington feels like they can make noise in playoffs, but you're going to be limited by Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, the, the Cowboys are going to be very much limited by their defense. It's going to take a while for them to really come together and gel. I, and their offense can be one of the best in the NFL because Dak looked really good on yep. Thursday. I mean, between C.D. Lamb and Amari um, Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott, they've, they've got weapons. They've got a really good weapons. However, they ain't making the Super Bowl. Okay, so we'll throw them out. Green Bay, for sure. Without a doubt. For sure. Everybody else in the NFC North has no chance. No, I think that Minnesota is going to be better this year. I think really? Minnesota is a potential playoff team. I just don't think that Mike Zimmer is going to coach a defense. that. It, when you go back and look at the defensive numbers that they had last year, it is astonishing how bad that defense is, especially for someone like Mike Zimmer, who is so well-respected throughout the league. They addressed that. They went out. They drafted some guys. They, they signed Patrick Peterson in the offseason to, to try to show up, shore up their secondary. Minnesota is going to be a playoff team this year. Uh, Tampa, 100%. Yep. 100%. Everything clicks. They just did it. They can do it. Uh, this is where it gets interesting in the NFC. I think the Rams absolutely have a shot to win the Super Bowl this Without year. Without a doubt. I think the Niners, if they return to health and they take a step forward at quarterback with Trey Lance, which I think they can do, they feel like they can win the Super Bowl. So, Trey Lance, 
should be the starting quarterback in yes. San Francisco. I don't know what they're doing messing around with Jimmy Garoppolo still um, because it's very obvious that Kyle Shanahan doesn't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. We saw that in the Super Bowl. There's a reason that they traded up to number three to go draft Trey Lance. They don't want Jimmy G to be their quarterback there's, anymore. There's a reason that they tried to pursue Aaron Rodgers in a trade this offseason and that Matt LaFleur's relationship with Kyle Shanahan is ruined. It's because they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes. Right? It's all because they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, so I, I just don't think that with a rookie quarterback they can get there. But but here's the thing. they, they Again, but they, they, just they went got to the there. Super Bowl they got two years, years ago with Jimmy G. Correct. And they, and they, they should have won. They did should've just won. get there. You took the words out of should've my mouth. Won. They had a, a 10-point lead with 10 minutes left in the Super Bowl. And then Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things, right? So they absolutely can win the Super Bowl if everything goes correctly. Yep. For them. So... That is your big four in the NFC, I would say, right? I, I would agree. Packers, Buccaneers, Rams, Niners. There are some other fringy. Like, I think Arizona has improved defensively and offensively. They're, they can be freaky if Kyler Murray gets things right. Um, I think Seattle's defense is atrocious, but they probably feel that they can get there because they've got Russell Wilson. Seattle, uh, Seattle's my pick this year um, because it happens every year. And when you look at the NFC... You know, and, and it's going to be tougher to do now that you have you know a team that an additional playoff team. You have seven in each conference. Seattle's the playoff team from a year ago that is not going to make it back. Interesting. I don't, I don't think that they make it back. I, I just feel like they've been. They were twelve and four last year, but I just feel that especially towards the end they were just kind of holding on for dear life. Um, despite winning that division, they lost to the Rams. I like the Rams better than them. I like the Niners better than them. And I can see them kind of hitting a, a little bit of a free fall, especially if I mean, the, their issues with Russell Wilson disappeared really quickly, mm-hmm. like too quickly for me. I mean, he, was, he was giving the list of, well, I'm not asking to be traded. But, but if you do trade me, here are the list of teams <laughs> I would accept a trade to, which is like the nice guy way of asking for a trade, I suppose. Yep. Uh, and those issues kind of disappeared quickly. I, my guess is that there are still some underlying issues with the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. And if they hit some some turbulence, especially early in the season, especially given that they play in what I believe is the toughest division in football this year, uh, I think that uh, they could things could go south quickly there. So we've in got Seattle. we've got four legitimate Super Bowl contenders in the NFC. Correct. Yep. Let's go to the AFC. Uh, we'll start with the team that was there last year, Kansas City, who has improved, I think, uh, because yeah, offensive line's better. they completely remade their offensive line, and Patrick Mahomes with time is deadly. That's yeah. lethal. That's, yep. that's scary. Uh, so the Chiefs for sure. We'll stick in the AFC West here, and I want to get your opinion on this. I think the Chargers are going to be drastically better this year. I think they feel that with the personnel they have, if Justin Herbert takes a step forward, and now that they've actually got a head coach that knows how to manage the clock, I think they feel with the pieces they have, they could get to the Super Bowl. Now, the tough part is they play in a division with the Kansas City Chiefs, right? I think think Super Bowl is a little much for them. They Um, lost seven games last year by one possession. Yeah. Seven. I think that they are going to take a step forward this year. I think that they are a playoff team in the AFC. I just feel that that's a huge step for them to take. It is. You know, it's it's much like when... Just to make this a, a local, more of a local reference, um, you know, we saw this with Chewy's Packers in the 90s where, you know, it was make the playoffs then, 
beat the Niners unexpectedly, make an NFC Championship game, and then, you know, and you lose that NFC Championship game, then you go to the Super Bowl with the Bucs. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, we just saw this, where, in, in granted, uh, the bubble year certainly wasn't great for them, but, you know, going and asking them to win all these playoff series and an Eastern Conference Finals and go to the NBA Finals when they hadn't won a playoff series as that core group, like, that was a lot to ask. So I think the Chargers are, are kind of that team. They're a young, fun team yeah. that is going to be on the rise, but to ask them to because they ain't going to win that division. No. So now we're looking at them winning three games on the road in order to make it to the Super Bowl. It's tough. That's a huge ask for them. I think that they're going to make a lot of noise. I think Justin Herbert's the best quarterback in last year's draft class. I just think that it's a big ask for them with a young quarterback like that to make that leap to a Super Bowl. Fine. So we'll stick with the Chiefs as the one out of that division. What do you think of Tennessee? Well, I'm, I'm about as big of a non-believer in Ryan and Tannehill as you can get. <laughs> Um, so I, I just can't I can't throw my support behind a Ryan Tannehill led Tennessee Titan team. So and actually I'm guessing them. I'm guessing you that feel being this is- said. Julio Jones is really good. Yeah. And you got Julio, you got A.J. Brown, you got... Derrick Henry? You got Derrick Henry. 2,000-yard Derrick Henry? I mean, there's There are a lot of good things going in that team. And I, I do like Mike Rabel. Yeah. Despite him wanting to, you know, cut off... Uh, Caught off his own private parts for sure. the Super Bowl. Yes, which would be man, which is a crazy. A I mean, be. it's it's the second craziest thing a coach has said about like winning. The, the most crazy thing was the the kneecap biting thing that Man Campbell decided to do. In no, I, if you want to pull that, I guarantee you that Mike Vrabel wins. Oh yeah. So but, that's not the craziest thing. <sighs> Cutting off your private parts is crazier than biting somebody's kneecap. A thousand percent. I don't know how you could argue that. Cutting yeah. off your own. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're yeah, right. You're on. right. Because it's your own versus somebody else's. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I probably f- I feel the same way about Indianapolis that you feel about Tennessee. I want to like them a lot, but oh, I can't. It, I can't get past Carson Wentz. No, you can't. You can't trust Carson Wentz. Has to go out there and earn your trust. Yep. He hasn't done it. Hasn't done. There's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of things to like. Yep. I really like the roster that they have there. They they set a good foundation with what they did a year ago, um, and getting to the playoffs. But they need they need their quarterback to perform in order for all those other parts to work. Okay, so we're still at one in the AFC, just Kansas City. Yep. Here's where it gets crazy. Oh boy, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. <sighs> okay, all three. So we are going. We'll get to those three because I think it's going to take some time to sift through those AFC North competitors okay. for the Super Bowl. Uh, I do want to thank. Our friends out here at Summerfest for having us. Do want to thank Major Goolsby's for keeping our team full each day that we've been out here at Summerfest. Scalzo and Brust and Homer and Tony coming out here every Thursday and Friday that Summerfest has been going on. So you can find them by the Briggs and Stratton Bid Backyard if you happen to come out here. Because we are live at Summerfest broadcasting from the Gruber Law Office and Sports Zone. We'll continue to go through our Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. Coming up next, it's a special Packers preview show live from Summerfest. It's going to be built on... Uh, we're going to kick you in the teeth, all right? And when you punch us back, we're going to smile at you. And when you knock us down, we're going to get up. And on the way up, we're going to bite a kneecap off. This is a Summerfest special Packers show, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Is I don't know. I was going to try to lie to you. <laughs> I have no idea. This is Thursday night football. 
no. Okay. That Jaguars. Titans. <laughs> next. That, Color one of my rush. favorite thing. One of my favorite. One of my favorite stories about bad football to tell, and I'm sure if Josh Doug he could find this somewhere. This is a special Packers preview show live from Summerfest on Game Night. So along with Brian D. Josh Dimaggio is producing the show. Uh, back when Mike Tarico was still with ESPN, he was doing Monday Night Football, and again, this goes to show how much. Monday Night Football had fallen off, and, and there have been stories about out there about how the NFL was kind of punishing ESPN for some of the things that they reported um, around concussion stuff, and, and some, Monday Night Football was getting terrible games. And to promo the next week's game, you know, they're, they're in the middle of doing play-by-play, you know, you get that break, they flash at the bottom of the screen, whatever the game is, and Tariko goes to Gruden, Coach, you love football, right? <laughs> and Gruden goes... Oh, Mike, you know I do. And Tariko responds, well, we're going to test that next week. Tune in as the Jaguars take on the Jets <laughs> on Monday Night Football. This was on his own network. Oh. This was on his own network he did that. That's the perfect guy to do oh. a football litmus test on, though. Like, nobody loves football more than John Gruden. Can you think of anybody that loves football more than John Gruden? I oh, cannot. Um, somebody who loves football more than John Gruden, uh, John Madden. No. See, I just Gruden's a big no. phony to me. He's not a phony. That guy loves football. Loves it. <sighs> did you ever watch those quarterback camps? I did, but Spiker Two Y Banana X over. I, I don't I, ever throw the Venus on a Spiker Two Y Banana. Come on. I mean, he knows a lot. I, I just I I think that there are more people out there that actually love. I, I, there's something about Gruden that comes off phony. I disagree. There's something not genuine about John Gruden. Knock on wood if you're with me. Joshy Pollitt at ESPN Milwaukee. Does anyone love football more than John Gruden? I would say no. And I would venture to guess that most of our fans, ESPN Milwaukee fans, would agree with me. I can't think of anybody. Tony Romo loves football more. No, no. I don't like, think just so. Just because he also likes golf? Yeah, he, he's got varied interests. <laughs> Um, Romo knows a lot. I love Romo. I think he's great. I love listening to him. I love watching him call games. Um, I think football took a toll on him that it hasn't taken on John Gruden. And John Gruden got more out of football than Tony Romo did. He's got that championship to hold on to. Okay. All right. Tony um, did not. But that doesn't mean, that has nothing to do with whether or not you love football more. I think it does. If you win something, you probably love it a little bit more than somebody who didn't. It gave you something. It gave you that experience, that formative Super Bowl experience. It's also given Tony Romo a bleep ton of money. That is true. That is true. And he's earning that bleep ton of money in a cushy studio as opposed to getting sacked every week. Man, there's there's got... I mean, Dan Campbell, I think at this point, probably loves football more than John No, Green. I think Dan Campbell's just got a caffeine problem. Did you see that? <laughs> Did you see that clip? Did you see that? Where he he walks you through his coffee order. New New Lions, uh, New Lions head coach Dan Campbell, who Joshy just played a clip going to our last break of him talking about biting somebody's kneecap off. So watch out for the Packers whenever they take on the Lions. I think that's week two. Yeah, some, it's, it's week two, Monday Night Football. If if you yeah. knock down a lion, like if you you know if, if you are Chris Barnes and you go in for a tackle, um, you know, be very careful if, if you tackle. Former teammate Jamal Williams, because if Williams comes up, apparently he's taking a kneecap with him. All right, let's take a listen to Dan Campbell walking us through his Starbucks order. Yeah, well, to normally what I do is I get, I'll get two venti. I go to you know Starbucks, I get two venti of the Pike with 
two shots in them, so black eye in both. That's what I come in with. That's how I start the day. So, so a venti is twenty ounces of coffee. I believe so. So you've got forty ounces of coffee with four shots of espresso, two in each of the coffees. Bum, bum. That was a great sound effect. That was a great sound effect. We need to get him on NFL primetime with Boomer. You know, start doing those. Uh, so that, that's what I think Dan Campbell's problem is. I don't know if he loves football as much as he just drinks too much coffee. That's, I mean, he definitely drinks too much coffee. There, there we can certainly agree. All right, we're continuing to go through the contenders that we believe in the NFL. In the NFC, we came up with four. Of course, mm-hmm. the Green Bay Packers being one of the four, along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then we also put the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams in there. And the AFC, through two divisions... We're stuck on one. We have one. That's the Kansas City Chiefs. But we get to the AFC North, and I think I have to subtract the team. Ooh. I, if we would have done this... 48 hours ago. Oh, boy. I think I would have said the Baltimore Ravens. But the fact that they are down their best cornerback, and they continuously are getting injured at their running back position, um, I I just don't know what to expect out of them. But what if we get elite Le'Veon Bell, who just signed with them? That's scary. And that's the one team... What year is it? 2015? Maybe. Um, That's that's probably a fair point. He may be past what if, what if we get elite Le'Veon actually, Bell? What if we get elite Randall Cobb? I, we could. He wrote about how he feels refreshed and rejuvenated in his Players' Tribune piece that we'll break down in our second hour of our show today. Um, I actually I said this to somebody at Summerfest last night when I was checking out the Goo Goo Dolls show. Um, I actually think the Peters injury is more hurtful for them than the running back injury. Oh, without running, a doubt. Running backs are a dime a dozen in the NFL. You can find somebody to fill the void. Now, I do think it's more important for that team because of their quarterback that they have a good running back that can do things because if you don't have a threat running, everybody can just spy on Lamar, and that's that. That's that. that takes that uh, threat away from him. Um, I mean, that threat is always going to exist because he's the fastest man in the NFL. That is correct. So he's always got that chance. Just like, I mean, can you tell me a running back for Michael Vick and the Atlanta Falcons? Mm, I don't know if I could. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. When you're that fast, you're going to do some things. We're talking Super Bowl, though. Yeah, no, that's and that's why I'm taking them off the board. Okay. I, I just don't. I think with those injuries, I just can't, in good conscience, say yes. And and that's a team I really like. I think Lamar, despite winning an MVP, there are still a ton of questions about him somehow. Uh, and I think that he's going to answer a lot of those questions. He hasn't had the receiving weapons around him. As much as I like Hollywood Brown, he's an undersized receiver. You need someone bigger to pair with him. As good as Mark Andrews has been at the tight end position, they still need more offensive weapons that can go catch the ball for Lamar. Um, and I think that I thought that they were on their way to potentially doing that this year, but those injuries certainly just leave too many questions for me to go, yep, that team, they could win the Super Bowl So this that's year. fair. Um I think the other three teams in the AFC that have a chance, and then we'll take a break and get back an hour or two. Um, Cleveland, I know it sounds nuts. They may have the best roster in the NFL without a proven quarterback. Man, and I, don't, I, I don't hate Baker Mayfield. I don't either. hate Baker Mayfield. I love his progressive commercials. I think they're fantastic. I, I just don't know. I still don't know about him as a quarterback. Cleveland's he's, got a shot, though. Like, you can't yes. discount the rest of their roster. I completely agree. So Cleveland's got a shot. Pittsburgh does if Ben Roethlisberger stays healthy, but I don't know that he can. 
they've got that type of roster too, and they've got impactful players like T.J. Watt, who just signed you know one of the richest contracts in NFL history in terms of a defensive player. That was great. Um, and then Buffalo. Buffalo was right there in the AFC Championship game last year. They've got a top three quarterback in the NFL. They are there as well. So I think we've got eight teams this year. Four in the AFC, four in the NFC that legitimately feel as though they have a shot to win the Super Bowl, which I feel like is higher than normal. Yeah, eight teams, yeah. Because usually, despite the NFL being this uh, system of parity, that parity's kind of gone away over the course of the last ten years. Um, You know, the the season, the, the teams that sneak up like the... Um, you know, they were, you know, the Rams were 4-12, and Trent Green gets hurt, next thing you know, Kurt Warner's leading him to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Like, those teams that just doesn't seem like they exist anymore. I mean, yeah. how many, the teams that go, I mean, Tampa Bay was the first team in four or five years that wasn't a one or two seed sure. to, so you're, you're to saying, go and would go to and win a Super Bowl. You're saying year-to-year parity doesn't exist anymore, whereas the parity still exists in the NFL. Like We just talked about how the, the Browns and the Bills have Super oh, Bowl yeah, aspirations. Yeah, yeah. Without a doubt. So the, the league is set up for you if you're bad to get good again if you do it right, but oh, you're and, saying year to year. And I think we still see teams that are, you know, there, there's going to be a team again, I'm predicting it to be the Seattle Seahawks in the NFC, where they were really good last year, they might fall off. We see a team go from worst to first in their division, we see that. Yep. But more often than not, those te- we're just talking about those are being playoff teams. In terms of being a Super Bowl contending team, getting to that next level, like the team that comes out of nowhere, it, it just doesn't happen. As, it, 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 I couldn't tell you the last time it happened. I think that's fair, but it's a crowded field for the Packers. And bringing the, this back to the Packers on this Packers preview show, they are one of the eight teams that has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. I think they're in the top two. Maybe they're the team with the most legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. But it takes a lot of luck. It takes a a damn near perfect season for it to happen. And with this crowded of a field, it's a scary proposition to think about if it doesn't happen and what the future holds. We'll talk about Randall Cobb and his return to Green Bay. Plus, does anyone love football more than John Gruden? Nope. Famous pal Eric Name going to weigh in. He's got a couple via Twitter. We'll get to those. Coming up next, hour two of the special Packers preview show live from Summerfest. The MVP is back and ready for another run at the Lombardi. And Rodgers takes quick throw right side. Devontae over the shoulder. End zone. It is a touchdown. This is a special Packers show. I think it's the right perspective and the right type of focus. Uh, we know we have a talented team. We know what the expectations are. Now broadcasting live from Summerfest at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Here's Brian D. and Gabe Neitzel. Overloading our poll at ESPN Milwaukee, asking you a lot of questions throughout the course of this first hour. Who loves football more than John Gruden? Nobody. Eric Name of The Athletic covers the Milwaukee Bucks, was here last week in this time slot talking about the Milwaukee Bucks. He says Collinsworth or Romo both love football more than John Gruden. I don't think so, man. I, I, I think they're fair arguments to make, but neither of those guys coaches. And... You think about coaching, right? Those guys were players. That takes up a lot of time, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of commitment, a lot of dedication to play in the National Football League to get to that precipice, right? To get to the peak of your profession, to play in the NFL. Coaching is a different animal. Coaching takes up a huge amount of time. Uh, you get probably criticized unfairly more so than players do. You're working early mornings, late nights, all the time. 
I, I think coaching, you got to really love it to want to coach football. Okay, so Bill Belichick loves football more than John Gruden. Uh, he might, yeah. Belichick is actually a good answer. I think Belichick loves football. Oh, yeah. Loves it. Without a doubt. He, he just doesn't show it as openly as John Gruden, but if you put Gruden's personality on Belichick, I think, he, I think we would say that he loves it more. Again, but there's just something phony about John Gruden that I just don't completely trust him and his fake love of football. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Summerfest, from the Gruber Law Office's Sport Zone, and, man, I, so... I have done a show from Summerfest every year from 14 to 19. Obviously, we didn't have the uh, shows here last year. But now that I just do the morning show, Jen, Gabe, and Chewy, weekdays from 7 to 9 here on 94.5 ESPN, I haven't gotten to do the annual sit-down first day of Summerfest and see what it all looks like on the Summerfest, like... Peruse the grid. Yeah. Last night was a great night. Yeah, I was here last night. It was awesome. Last night, you had OAR, you had Nelly, you had Goo Goo Dolls. And that was just all the side stages. Zach Brown Band, obviously, inside uh, the American Family uh, Insurance Amphitheater. Tonight, Dave Chappelle. Gonna which be awesome. Is, yeah, I'm, I'm really bummed I'm not going to that. Uh, Kesha, ZZ Top tonight. Um, some cool ones next week. Dropkick Murphy is going to be on a side stage. Mm-hmm. Um, Spin Doctors. So, I mean, it's, again, Summerfest is back. In, in, last night I'm was your night. I'm it. so sad that you had to do high school football last night, but you got a great game. Apparently some kid at Market High caught 13 balls for like 800 yards and four touchdowns. Frankie Calopy had 13 catches for 264 yards and four touchdowns. i got to imagine that's a school record. I'll find out more about that throughout the course of the week, but i got to imagine that's, a, that's no, got to be a school record. Nobody's done better than that. So I'm glad you called and saw a great game. But last night was your night. It was our 90s guy. Goo Goo Dolls, OAR. Oh, Goo Goo Dolls into OAR. Like, that would have been a tough and decision Nelly. for me. Yeah, plus Nelly. Like, that would have been really tough. I've seen OAR at Summerfest, so my guess They're is great. I would have gone Goo Goo Dolls, then gone to OAR, maybe catch a little bit of Nelly uh-huh. and, and see if he could catch a couple of those uh, big-time 90s hits on the way. Um but yeah, last night was a big night for 90s fans. Yeah, so I, I did Goo Goo Dolls last night and then caught the last like three, four songs of OAR, which was, I think, the perfect way to do it because Goo Goo Dolls started a little earlier. These are the things you have to think about strategically. We oh, talk about yeah. John Gruden being a football nerd. You kind of have to be a music nerd, an aficionado, so to speak, when you're down here at Summerfest in terms of planning out your attack. I saw DJ Cool at 4 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. you got to scope that out sometimes. <laughs> Jesse McCartney was playing at like 6. Do you think I was going to miss Beautiful Soul Live? <laughs> Hell no. What are you, crazy? And then you pick the earlier show and catch the end of the late one. So our question, who love, does anyone love football more than John Gruden? And if, uh, if yes, please respond. Uh, Sporty McKenzie says John Madden. Yeah. Uh, Ron in the key says Mike Golick Jr. and Mike Golick thinks they're more genuine. Love both of those guys. I and, don't know if they like it more. Ron and just Mark wants to get responds. a favor from the Golicks. That's all he's looking for. <laughs> <laughs> like me, Golicks. That's 100% true. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking forward to Go- uh, Gojo. is going to be joining uh, starting this week. He's going to be back on Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Let's joining go. us weekly on Monday. So looking forward to talking to him. Uh, Mark responding, who loves football more than John Gruden? <laughs> My Uncle Mike. <laughs> so shout out to Uncle Mike, who loves football more than Chad Gruden. <laughs> I have no way of corroborating that, but I believe him. I believe him. Shout out, shout out Uncle Mike. Shout out to Uncle Mike. Uncle Mike's going to have such a good day loves, tomorrow. 
who loves football. Um, yeah, I mean, again, the NFL being back tomorrow is so exciting. <laughs> Another person who's going to have a good day tomorrow, whether or not he has a productive day, whether or not he has a big day, I think that's Randall Cobb. Yes. And that's because his friend Aaron Rodgers saved him from football hell that is the Houston Texans. That team is an absolute dumpster fire. Now. Now they are. Yes. Um, and it's 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 all because of Deshaun Watson. Um like that's a big chunk of it, but also and, and now I'm blanking on the name of the guy who came from the Patriots and Nick Casario. Uh, Nick Casario who's pretty much like run that franchise into the ground. Um no, 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 I'm not even thinking of Nick Casario because Casario came as the GM. They've got the other guy. Bill O'Brien. Who used to be, no, again, another good name who now. No, another New England guy that came to Houston and ran the organization. Into the know. ground, and now is going to be rehabbed by. Jack uh, Easterby. By, uh, by Nick Saban. Yes, Jack Easterby. That's the guy I'm talking Eventually about. Eventually, we got to the Patriots Texans. So, for those guy. who don't know, Jack Easterby, there, there were stories written about him this offseason. Jack Easterby uh, is a former team chaplain who rose to prominence within the New England uh, Patriots organization. Nobody's sure why he left New England, but somehow ended up in Houston and then rose to a level of prominence in that organization where he is he was pretty much making decisions on hiring the general manager, hiring the head coach, and he's, uh, he's made some very poor decisions and doesn't seem like he can be trustworthy. Again, just Google Jack Easterby. You'll find some fascinating articles about him. But he's run that organization into the ground, and then on top of that, you have Deshaun Watson and his situation. But now Randall Cobb goes from there, and he comes to one of the eight teams that we have recognized that can win a Super Bowl this year. And I think he's going to have a good Sunday. He's going to be happy playing with his guy Aaron Rodgers tomorrow, no matter what. I'm just really curious what he has left in the tank. Because... And he, the reason we're talking about Randall Cobb, by the way, is because if you haven't seen it, and Joshi DiMaggio will retweet this from the ESPN Milwaukee Twitter account, um, he wrote a place in the, uh, piece in the Players' Tribune this morning, uh, basically expressing uh, how much he is happy to be back in Green Bay. Uh, the piece is titled, Man, It Feels Good to Be a Packer. He's home. He feels like he's home. He feels like he's back. He's excited to be with his buddy Aaron Rodgers. He's excited to have a shot at a Super Bowl again this year. All that being said, he ended up, in football hell for a reason. It's because nobody else wanted to take a flyer on him, correct? Like, he got to that point in his career. And, we like, there could be a, a reason why that happened. He did deal with some injuries after the Packers decided to give up on him. That was one of the reasons they gave up on him, was because he was battling through injuries. He wasn't as productive anymore. He goes to Dallas, and he said in this player's tribute piece, he, re- he refound his love of football down there, um, playing with a pretty darn good quarterback in Dak Prescott. And he had a pretty good year. Yeah, he was very productive for the Cowboys, which is why the Texans eventually signed him to the nine-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal that they signed him. To. I don't think they signed him to a nine-year deal. Excuse me, uh, <laughs> it's nine million dollars per year, three-year, twenty-seven million dollar sure. deal. Just had to yes. you know, do the math. Carry the one. Yeah, not math, guys. Uh, but all that being said, <laughs> nine-year, twenty-seven. <laughs> getting three million. Why years. would he sign a nine-year, twenty-seven million dollar deal? It's a lot of security, man. <laughs> A lot of security. Why would the Mets pay Bobby Benito one million dollars? Contract, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but so the most fascinating tidbits from this this Players Tribune piece about Randall Cobb for me. There, there's two things that jumped out. Number one, he got into a little bit the process of how he ended up back in Green Bay, because we all know 
this happened because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers wanted him he here. He wanted him back, so he's back because Rodgers wanted him back, and Goody wanted to appease Rodgers, and that was the way to get Rodgers back for training camp. He found out about this through Trey Wingo's tweet. Trey Wingo, formerly of ESPN, tweeted that he was hearing that Rodgers would be back in Green Bay if Cobb came back to Green Bay and that the Packers were trying to work that out. So he heard about this through Trey Wingo's tweet. So do you think that him and Rodgers did not have a conversation about this? Of course they did. But I, I was it one of those things where you're like hanging out with your buddies and, oh, and you start reminiscing about the glory days and maybe they saw each other and, oh, man, would it be cool if we could play together sure. again? And then Rodgers didn't really say anything, but he's like, yeah, I could make that happen. I'll get it done. Yeah. Just you wait. Just yeah, in, Instead of telling Randall, so like Randall has some sort of plausible deniability if it falls through, like, no, nah, I can make this happen, and I know he wants this. So he said it was kind of awkward, though, because he had already reported to, to Texans training camp. So as the rumors were swirling before it actually happened, he's at the Texans facility in the locker room, and his Texans teammates are coming up to him, and they're like, Hey, what are you doing here? Aren't you supposed to be in Green Bay, you big idiot? <laughs> like, he's, he's, he wrote that in the Players' Tribune. So, it must hey, be... Hey, dummy. Don't you realize you, you were traded? Shouldn't you be on a flight to Green Bay? You don't want us anymore? Um, so, I, I would be fascinated to know, and maybe we'll get this in 10 years in a book that somebody writes... Uh, how that really all went down and what those conversations were like in Green Bay. But that at least was Randall Cobb's perspective on the matter. Uh, the other thing that jumped out from the Players' Tribune piece is even though Randall Cobb played with Dak Prescott, who's really good, even though he played with Deshaun Watson, who from a football perspective is really good, practicing with Aaron Rodgers and getting those balls is just different. There's just something different. He's just better. Cobb said he's better, Rodgers, than he remembers him being. That the first practice in Green Bay, he was like, oh man, I played with Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson, but I have to get my head around quicker because that ball's coming, it's going to be accurate, it's going to be on the money, and I better be ready. So that speaks to, even at this juncture of his career, just how good Aaron Rodgers is. I enjoy that perspective. You're just listening to your tell about, read about it, and, and reading about it in the Players Tribune again, a Randall Cobb piece that uh, was just tweeted out from at ESPN Milwaukee as well, so you can find it uh, if you're looking for it uh, via Twitter there. But that's just a cool perspective to hear, you know, how much somebody might appreciate something now that they're back playing, you know, and, and especially being as close of a friend as he is to Aaron Rodgers, knowing how good Aaron Rodgers is. And then kind of not playing with him for a couple of years and forgetting how good Rodgers is and then re-realizing it and how much more demanding it is a little bit to play with that play, a player on that level versus playing with two really good quarterbacks uh, and his pre- two previous teams. But that's just, I, I really like hearing about that perspective. So let's do this next, Gabe, live from Summerfest here. What sort of impact do you think Randall Cobb will have on this offense this year? 800-990-3776. You can also weigh in via Twitter at ESPN Milwaukee. Come, come hang out with our WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee street team as you pass by. So we're broadcasting live from Summerfest in the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. They've got some bags game going on, awesome prizes, plus you'll have a chance to win some Brewers tickets. We talk about Randall Cobb continuing here on the special Packers preview show live from Summerfest on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special Packers show live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. But I'm thinking 
Snap to A-Rod. Rushes on. Has time. Looking. Throws. Middle. Yes. Got his bear. Breaking free to the 50. He may go all the way to the 20 down the right side. And there's Randall He's Cobb to the five, going to the end zone, the to the touchdown. Oh, my goodness. Of course, the great Wayne, great Wayne Larravee on the call. Larry McCarran, Packers Radio Network. Is there anything better than when Larry McCarran just gets that excited and just starts <laughs> cheering in the booth? I love that. I mean, there's another guy who might love football more than... Uh, Larry McCarran. Yeah. <laughs> more than John Gruden. Are you kidding me? Have you seen his finger? I have. That's how much he loves football. He sacrificed his finger. His pinky is sticking out. Forming a 90-degree angle. That's how much he loves it, man. That's how much he loves football. Love. And, he still, and he still hangs around football. Uh, he is Brian D. I'm Gabe Knight. So it's a special, special Packers preview Summerfest show. Live from Summerfest and the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Big shout-out to Major Goolsbees. They've been keeping our team full each day. We've been out here at Summerfest. You can find them by the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard. Wings are on the way, baby. Oh, can't wait. I love Goolsby with wings. Goolsby's wings are on the way to us here at Summerfest. Stop by and see them at the location downtown or here at Summerfest. Wings just feels like football, doesn't it? Without a doubt. I woke up on Without Friday morning this week, and I, we were going into a, a football weekend, and I started just craving chili. There was that uh, there was that fall tinge in the air here in southeastern Wisconsin this year. Or this it's it's hot today, but yeah, Wednesday, gonna, Thursday this oh, week, yeah. it started to turn a little bit. I wore a well, hoodie with shorts. Oh, I, I wore a hoodie. With, I mean, so we get up in the morning. Right? We, do. we are up in the morning. You're up even earlier than I am. So when I'm pulling into the station around six a.m., it is. There's a little bit of that chill. So I've, I've this week I went hoodie and shorts all week going into the office and. I did make some chili this week. Wow! Made some chili. You it was pulled just, early. I, hey, I had that feeling to it. I, I had to. Ma- I had to have something because I wasn't going to be around. And my fiance wasn't going to be around, so we I, somebody had to make something for dinner. Crock pot. So threw it in the crock pot. It was a little turkey three bean chili. It's beautiful. I have not made the jump yet. I want to wait till it gets a little cooler. Like you know, you start getting the itch too to go like apple picking and start drinking apple cider and sure. just crushing apple cider donuts this time of year when football starts. I don't want to make the jump yet. I really want it to feel like fall when I do the apple cider donuts. I do the chili. I start drinking hot coffee again every day. Like, it's still cold brew season for me. We're close, though. We're close. And wings from Major Goolsby's make me think about football. Yeah, it is. And, again, full day of football tomorrow. And we're discussing Randall Cobb and the potential impact he can have with the Packers. Now, he's only 31 years old, but the issue with him has always been injury. And when you look at Randall Cobb, he had the one year where he was fantastic in 2014, made the Pro Bowl, almost 1,300 yards, receiving 12 touchdowns. But he had injuries kind of interrupt everything else. 2015, uh, he still had 829 yards, but that was the year the Packers' offense struggled a bit. Mm-hmm. 2016, only played 13 games. 2017, relatively healthy, played 15 games, 66 catches. Uh, his last year in Green Bay, only played nine games. Yep. First year in Dallas, 15 games, 15.1 yards per reception, had 828 yards, only three touchdowns, and then last year was beat up for Houston, 10 games, 441 yards. The one thing that's maintained for him since he left Green Bay 
is his yards per catch. Mm. So you know that that is still there. And again, the question is, can he remain healthy? And I feel that he is serving a role that the Packers haven't truly had the last couple of years, and that's that true slot receiver. And yes, you can put Devontae there, and I expect them to continue to put Devontae there and move him around and, and try to get favorable matchups as they've done the last couple of seasons. But when you have that true slot guy that can use his quickness to create separation close to the line of scrimmage, get a couple of yards after the catch, I feel that Randall Cobb, and I'm not saying he's going to go out and have you know a renaissance year like he had back in 2014, but I think that there is a productive role that he is going to serve if he remains healthy. I just don't... <laughs> it's tricky because... Because again, when he's healthy, he's shown that he can produce. He can provide. He can he can serve a role for teams. So, thinking about Matt Lafleur's offense from the last couple of years, maybe this is a byproduct of not having that guy that you're talking about, like that prototype slot wide receiver. But we haven't seen a whole lot of that underneath. You know, beat your guy for seven yards and and move the chains that way, like using the the pass game as the run game sort of situation. It's been a lot more of Devontae and MVS, who I've been on the record on TMJ saying this. When I filled in on ESPN Milwaukee, I've said this. He looked awesome at training camp, and I'm expecting him to have a breakout season. That so, is not that is not a unique take. No. You know, so He's looked amazing. You've heard, I mean, Jason, I feel like he's like the only one who's trying to pump the brakes on the MVS train right now, um, just based on his past performances. But you've heard it from a lot of the different beat guys um, who are at practice. I mean, I know Matt Schneidman of the Athletic, uh, who covers the Packers, yep. has been very, very uh, high on what MVS well, has accomplished this bigger year. bigger than that, though, internally everybody's high on him. Like, yeah. Aaron has said nice things about MVS. And when, you, the, when the quarterback starts saying nice things about you, you're going to get the ball more, right? Because um, you know he trusts you. Matt LaFleur, same deal. He looks great. He's confident. The, the drops and the fumble in the Indianapolis game last year didn't shake his confidence at all. The big thing for me is... He looked like he was having fun. Like, training camp can definitely be a grind. In the days I was up there, I was up there once a week during camp. It was hot as hell. It was, you know, week three of camp. The one guy buzzing around the sidelines, pumping up the training camp crowd, was Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, he's the guy out there having fun and enjoying himself a little bit. He was doing, like, airplane wings. And you know how um, sometimes you'll see a cheerleader or a guy throwing out T-shirts at a basketball game, like, yeah. going to this section and saying, do you guys want the T-shirts? <laughs> or I'll go to this section and say, do you guys want the T-shirts? That was what Marquez Valdez-Scantling was doing in the middle of training camp practices during, like, the little water breaks and stuff, so I think he's mentally in a good place, and all of this to say, I think Devontae and MVS are going to be the preferred options this year over Randall Cobb. That's not to say Cobb's not going to get the ball because of the trust and rapport he has with Rodgers. I'm just curious what that role is going to be, how limited it might be because of the other guys. We haven't even talked about Robert Tunyon, who's played a huge role. I feel that's that's the guy who's going to potentially see some production go down if Randall Cobb stays healthy. I yeah. think that's that, that you might see a little bit of less out of the tight end spots. And uh, and what that's going to yield for Randall Cobb. Now, I almost feel the same way about Cobb, Gabe, that I did uh, when I talked about Zadarius Smith off the top of the show today. Even if he's limited, one play like the one we bumped back with, the 75-yard catch-and-run touchdown against the Bears on Monday night when Aaron hurt his knee a couple years ago, one play could make this all worth it, Right. One play could make this move worth it for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, one yeah. monster catch and one monster moment. One 2013 division championship soldier field winning moment 
can make this move worth it and make Aaron Rodgers look amazing. Packers were a play away last year. Yeah. They were a play away from making it to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, if Aaron Rodgers throws a touchdown on first through third down, you know, when they have it goal to go late in the NFC Championship game, there's a good chance they win that game. Mm-hmm. Real good chance Great that chance. they they go and go on and maybe win that game. Uh, again, they would have to get the two point conversion, get another stop. But I mean, they were really close last year, and sometimes it's all that it all takes the, the one play at the right time to get you over that hump, and that's what this Packers team is looking for. I think again, I'm not sitting here saying that Randall Cobb is going to go out there and have 1,200 yards like he did back in 2014, but if he has, would it shock me if he has a better season? This year than he did in his last year in Green no. Bay when he only had 383 yards? No. I would think he's going to be around that five to 600-yard mark for the Packers this year. What's your favorite Randall Cobb moment as a Packers fan? Like, three immediately come to mind for me. Uh, number one is the kickoff return against the Saints in his yep. first game where yep. John Kuhn just, like held him up. just shamelessly <laughs> aided the runner and said, Stay up, buddy. Uh, that was number one. It's not illegal, Brian. Uh it's only legal if you could caught. Yeah, neither, the flag. Is, neither is the pick play that Clemson ran at the end of the national championship. <laughs> yeah, again, totally there's no legal. flag. There's no flag. Um, so that was number one. Number two was obviously the 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 Bears division. Fourth and great. Yep. And then the third one is what we bumped back to with that 75 yarder in the in the game, the comeback against the Bears. My knee. My knee. What did they give you? What was going on? <laughs> I don't know. My knee. I, I'm talking like a NASCAR driver right now. They didn't give me any happy pills. Um, yeah, so those are the big three. Is there anything else that sticks out from a cop perspective? Uh, in what terms am I missing? Of huge plays for Rand. I mean, those are the top three for sure. Um, I'm trying to think. There had. I mean, I know there were big plays that he made in 14 because that offense was just clicking. Oh, especially oh in the how about this? Half. Um, the the Hail Mary in the Giants playoff. Oh game. yeah, Giants playoff Caught game that in one. In, uh, in 2016. Yep, he was a part of that. Um, yeah, I mean, but again, those are the big three that stand out, though. Yeah. The, the, when, when, you win, when you catch a touchdown pass uh, to beat the Bears in a division-clinching game that also gets you in the playoffs, like that that's always going to stick out. Let's pull this as well. We're Twitter poll happy today at ESPN <laughs> Why Milwaukee. Not? Put those three up. Joshy DiMaggio, producer back in the one call. That's all studios. Those three and then maybe like an other option, you think? Yeah, other and then you can, people can write them in. Sure. You know, maybe if they want to link to a highlight via YouTube, they could do that as well. We could just have a you know Randall Cobb nostalgia fest over yeah, the last half and, hour of the program, and you know t- talking about training camp moments and how loose this team is, and how the Rodgers drama maybe hasn't affected them throughout this training camp, and it's dissipated since he showed up. Uh, yeah, I talked about Marquez Valdez scaling at camp. The other fun Randall Cobb moment that uh, I experienced when I was up there was. Uh, if you've been to Clark Hinkle Field there uh, to watch practice, the far side of the field between the football field and the practice facility is where media stands on the sideline there. And there are two bigger areas, and then it narrows out, and there's like a walkway right next to the building to get from one side of the field to the other for the media. So that walkway is a, a, like a sidewalk, even skinnier than that. And... I was walking between the two practice areas where media are allowed to stand, and Randall Cobb was in my way setting up his own jugs machine. Like, he was plugging in the jugs machine to to do catching drills with the other wide receivers, and I'm standing right there. I'm like, Randall, can you get the heck out of the way? I need to go watch Aaron Rodgers play because he's, like, kind of important. And Cobb's like, man, what can I do? I'm doing it all out here. I'm catching passes. I'm running routes. I'm setting up my own damn jugs machine. Like, so, so, so. It just goes to show you this, this this group 
Randall Cobb's already fitting back in and feeling like he's at home. The biggest question for the Packers this year is going to be their defense. Mm. When can you pro- appropriately judge the defense? We discuss that coming up next, live from Summerfest in the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Special Packers preview show on 94.5 ESPN. This is a Summerfest special Packers show, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. I fell for the devil's daughter. I jumped in, yeah, I drank the water. So we are live at Summerfest. Make sure if you come out here, you check out our WTMJ and ESP Milwaukee Street team as you Woo! pass by. They've got some great uh, bags game going on, awesome prizes, plus the chance to win some Brewers tickets. The Packers defense is the biggest question going into tomorrow. Yes. Without a doubt. Um, can I throw in another contender? With special teams? No. I know it's going to be bad. <laughs> You don't know that. You haven't seen Corey Bohork as punt yet. <laughs> okay, it's going to be better. Um, I want to throw an offensive line. Uh, sure, but I feel like eventually that's going to... like That's a situation where once David Bakhtiari comes back and you shift... Um, and you shift Elton Jenkins back to left guard. Like it's, it, I know eventually that there could be some tumultuous times in the first six weeks for sure. And especially if David Bakhtiari is not back by the time they play Washington football team, that front seven is no joke. Yeesh. Like it could be, you know, yeah, there are going to be some tumultuous times. But I think eventually it's going to settle. What we don't know is this Packers defense, mm-hmm. which uh, has a new coordinator in Joe Barry. And there's a great article at The Athletic by Robert Mays where he kind of takes a look at, and he doesn't mention the Packers specifically, but the Packers are playing much like when they hired uh, LaFleur to be their head coach and, and they're going to that type of a fad offense that was trending through the NFL with McVay and Shanahan. The, yep. A lot of stuff predicating off of play action and motion and, and, and you know attacking defenses that way. This new defense that Joe Barry is going to be running is the new fad in the NFL. They're going to be playing a lot of two safeties because he's coming from the Vic Fangio-Brandon Staley defense, as Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams last year, and Barry was with the Rams, so he's taking a lot of those same principles, bringing them to Green Bay. But I think back to 2019, in the first game of the year, Packers won 10-3 to over the Chicago Bears. Uh-huh. And Aaron Rodgers, after the game, proclaimed... We got a defense. We got a defense. And then we saw that defense get ripped apart for roughly 6,000 yards on the ground in the two games they played against the San Francisco 49ers. That is correct. Raheem Mostert is still running. Yeah, man. So so they didn't really have a defense, right? Like, even though the defense looked good and it gave people hope uh, in that first game, if this new Packers defense goes out and plays well tomorrow against the New Orleans Saints, maybe has a couple of interceptions against Jameis Winston, who in his previous stint as a starting quarterback was known to throw a pick or two per game. Or 30. Whatever, you know, round up or down. It's his thing. You know, he likes, he, he enjoys it. So, even if they come out and look good tomorrow, at what point, Brian, can Packers fans say, you know what? Yep. We got a defense. Um, So when you initially brought this question up to me prior to our show today, my mind went the other direction. And what I mean by that is I don't know that they're going to have a great start. I don't know that they're going to come out in the first six weeks and play awesome. 
And I think Packers, and, and I don't think that means this defense is going to be bad. Think I just, about 2014, the year that the Packers lost in the NFC Championship game to the Seahawks. Their defense not very good. They made the switch to Clay Matthews in the last eight games. Their defense was really good. They were awesome, right? So that's, that is what I'm expecting in the first couple weeks. And that doesn't mean the Packers are going to lose a lot of football games in the first half of this season. But a, a couple of things are at play here. Number one, given how the NFL's training camp and preseason has changed because of safety considerations... I do think defenses always lag a little bit behind in the first couple weeks of the season because you're not allowed to hit. You're not allowed to hit in practices as much, certainly in the preseason. And this new group didn't play at all in the preseason together. None of their key defensive players played at all, right? So you're staring down, uh, just naturally lagging behind. You've got a new defensive coordinator. You've got a new scheme you're employing to a certain extent. It's it's similar to Mike Pettin's from what sure. I understand. Um and you've got players that haven't gone full speed in a while. So I'm expecting it to get gashed a little bit. There might be some plays where Jameis Winston tries to drive it down the field with some success tomorrow. Because he's been known to do that too in addition to turning it over. As many turnovers as he throws, he's also a great deep threat guy. So I, the, the way I choose to view this question in terms of gauging Packers defense success is be patient. It might take some time, but I think it can get there because of the personnel they have on that side of the ball. Yeah, because if again, if they come out and they play poorly tomorrow, I think fans are going to have no issue saying, "Oh, same old, same old." Of course. Old. But again, it's it's I, I'm a hundred percent there with you. I think you just have to be patient with it because it again, I, you have examples of them getting off that fast start in 2019, and then the defense really letting them down in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers because they couldn't stop the run. You've got the example of 2014 where the Packers, I mean, as a team, got off to a one and two start, eventually finished 12 and four, but over the course of the second half of that season, their defense really became pretty dominant. It was really good, and unfortunately, you know, they, they still had their disappointment in the 2014 NFC Championship games. I guess that's the, the point of the conversation I wanted to have, is you have to be patient. Yep. And I think that the Packers' defense can be good enough. Like, it was close enough last year. Like, they have enough with Jair Alexander, with Zadarius Smith when he's healthy, with Kenny Clark, with uh, Adrian Amos and the way that Darnell Savage continues to grow, they have enough playmakers on that defense where you think they should be able to be able to put it together and have a good enough defense that they can earn and be in that spot that we said that they're in earlier in one of the handful of teams that can win a Super Bowl this season. You know when the test is going to come for me? Uh, about halfway through the season, this is when I think we can make a judgment on Joe, Joe Barry's defense to answer your question. They've got a three-game stretch. At Arizona, prolific offense with a lot of weapons. It's a Thursday night game, isn't it? Yeah, so it could be short week as well. If I'm, yeah, it is a short week. They play Washington at home, then they go across the country to play Arizona huh. on a Thursday night. Sure. Short week. Yep. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm probably missing somebody. They've got a freaky good offense. They do have a good offense, right? And Kyler, Kyler's scary in his own right. Yep. He could ruin your day just by with by himself. Um, the next week, they go to Arrowhead to take on the Chiefs. Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, right? <sighs> that whole squad. Okay. Travis, what do you do with Travis Kelsey? Nobody's figured that out. Yeah, it's Still nobody, right? And then the following week, you've got the Seahawks at home, who for all of their deficiencies, Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf can make you look bad, right? That's the three-week stretch. 
I'm curious to see how they get through from a defensive perspective. Even if they win a couple of those games, defensively you could get torched for, like, let's say they they beat Arizona, thirty-eight to thirty-four. It's a great win Thursday night on the road. Everybody will celebrate it, but there will also be a conversation on this radio station about how they got gashed for thirty-four points by Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and the Chiefs. We have to go visit them next week, right? So, yeah. like. That that's the stretch to answer your question of when can we make a judgment? Let me see them against some, pro, some prolific offenses and see how they perform. Now let me put on my Packers Homer hat and when they play on a Thursday, I feel like I'm always willing to be more forgiving for sure. any miss. You know, because Thursday it's just such a quick turnaround. Literally, you're just trying to survive and win the game and then figure it out. But that is going to be a great litmus test of how does this scheme hold up against those three offenses because those three offenses can score points in bunches. So maybe it's the Chiefs game because they play that Thursday night game on the 28th yep. of October. Well, and then you've got, it's like the mini-bye, right? Right, you've got So the now mini-bye. you've got a little bit more time to prepare for the Chiefs. Yeah. And if you do not come out looking good in that game, yeah, there are going to be all sorts of questions. So those are the two. Let's circle those two as our litmus test games for this Joe Barry Packers defense. Anything that happens prior to then, we kind of throw out. The Packers will win the Super Bowl if we'll give our predictions on the upcoming season. Coming up next, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone at Summerfest on 94.5 ESPN. You're listening to a Summerfest special Packers show, live from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone on 94.5 ESPN. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? No, I ain't happy yet. Putting all the, the last dance and what it stands for. Um, aside, I think it every year is basically the last dance based off of how we kind of talked about it because you think about it. I mean, it was Jordan and, you know, Pippen's last dance or whatever, but it's our last dance as that group, you know, regardless. Like, this team is not going to be the same team, um, you know, personnel-wise next year. It's just not going to be the exact same people out there. So Devontae Adams talking about the Packers' upcoming season, something we've been doing for the last hour and 50 minutes. He's Brian D. I'm Gabe Nitzel. We're live at Summerfest for this special Packers preview show broadcasting for the Gruber Law Offices Sports Zone. Again, special shout out to Major Goolsbees for keeping our team full each day. You can find Goolsbees by the Briggs and Stratton Big Backyard here at Summerfest. And he's got a point. I mean, even if the Packers somehow convince Aaron Rodgers to stick around and get Devontae Adams to sign an extension... Their salary cap situation means that there are going to be some significant players on this team that aren't going to be a part of it next year. Yep. So no matter what, this is kind of the last window for this team. This is a last dance, um, even if you don't want to hear that. I mean, that, that just kind of what of the, the truth is. And I think that at least the way they've talked publicly about it, the way Aaron Rodgers talked publicly about it, it seems they have the right perspective on it. And they're trying not to allow that to you know, be pressure. But it kind of reminds me a little bit of the New Orleans Saints last year. You know, that they, you know, with Drew Brees, you never knew in the last, you, you kind of had a sneaking suspicion that it was going to be the last year for Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And whenever he left New Orleans, that was going to be a different team. And it's certainly a different team this year. Yes, they still have Alvin Kamara. Mike Thomas is hurt right now currently for them, but the receivers look different. Mike James, Thomas, um, market manager, yes, <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> I think he goes by Michael. Yeah, whatever. That's okay. <laughs> Just made me laugh. I mean, th- I mean, isn't his hand, Twitter handle like throw it to Mike or something uh, like that? Sure. Fair um, enough. So, 
You know, but that team's different it without is. Drew Brees. And no matter what, this team's going to be different next year. Um, but they're one of the favorite teams to win the Super Bowl. So my question that I'm going to pose to you, Brian, before we say goodbye, is the Packers will win the Super Bowl in Los Angeles if? If Joe Barry's defense can slow down the top offenses in the National Football League. Um, I have no doubts that this Packers offense is going to be elite. When you have Aaron Rodgers... And you have Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Randall Cobb and Robert Tunyon. And the list goes on and on and on. If the offensive line can hold up, and like you said, there will be a point. Uh, and injuries are the caveat of all of this, right? Injuries can take down any prediction you want to make. But if everybody stays healthy, the offensive line holds up for the first six weeks, the offense is going to be top five in the league. Period. Um, defensively, you have to be able... You don't have to stop them. You have to slow them down in the biggest moments of the season. And you look at the other contenders. In the first hour of our show, we talked about the eight teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl this year. All of them have one thing in common. They're elite offensive football teams. And I think the teams that are going to be there in the end are the Buccaneers, who just had a horrific offensive night in terms of turnovers. They lost the turnover battle 4-1 to one and scored 31 points. That's what you're dealing with in terms of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers' offense, right? So you've got to be able to slow that down in the biggest moment of the season. The Packers couldn't do that last year. They turned Tom Brady over, and they still gave up 28 points in the NFC Championship game. It wasn't good enough. What if it's the Rams? If the Rams are back to a Super Bowl contending team, it's going to be because Sean McVay's offense looks like Sean McVay's offense from a couple of seasons ago, right? They just have a better quarterback running it. Correct. Like that's, that's, why, that's why I like right. the, the Rams so much, is because I think Stafford is going to really blossom in that offense. So that's just the NFC. Those are the other top two contenders. We're not talking about getting to the Super Bowl. We're talking about winning it. And if you get through to the Super Bowl, the teams you're probably going to be playing, let's pick the two that played in the AFC Championship game last year. Kansas City, you're going to have to slow down Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Not an easy task. No. What if it's Buffalo? You've got to slow down a guy that finished second to only Aaron Rodgers in MVP voting last year, along with Stephon Diggs, right? And Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders, who they added this year. So that is the key. The Packers will win the Super Bowl if Joe Barry's defense can slow down some of the top offenses in the National Football League. If he can't, it's not going to happen. And I just... Uh, maybe and maybe it's misplaced, but I just feel like they have enough playmakers. They've got enough. De- Again, I go back to Jair Alexander being one of the best corners in the league. I go back to Zadarius Smith and his 26 sacks in the last two years and how that's top five in the NFL. Kenny Clark is an elite defensive tackle, and they paid him as such in the middle. And then you've got blossoming young stars that you drafted three seasons, a couple of seasons ago going into their third year in mm-hmm. Darnell Savage and, and Rashawn Gary. Like, I, I just feel there are enough pieces here. It's just getting them to work in unison with one another that it's not going to be... And, and look, there are questions about the defense. What do you have around Kenny Clark? Yeah. The middle part of that defense, the inside linebacker, I'm not saying that this is going to go out and be a dominant defense, but I feel that they have enough yeah, good pieces certainly. in place that they can do the things that you're talking about. Certainly. And it's going to depend on you know some X factors, too. Um, yeah, I talked about being at training camp, the guys that popped. Uh, Devontae Campbell looks good. And they He's sat, getting a lot of praise. They sat him in the preseason for a reason. It's because they believe in him. 
What if Eric Stokes turns out to be great and an improvement over Kevin King? That's a huge development for this Packers defense, right? Oh, yeah. So, you're right. They have the pieces, but when push comes to shove, can you slow down some of the elite playmakers offensively in the NFL? Time's going to tell. Been a lot of fun talking about the Packers. Of course, you can get your Packers fix tomorrow over on our sister station, News Radio 620 WTMJ. Beginning at noon, Brian D. will have WTMJ's opening drive. Then the network pregame begins at 1 o'clock. Packers, Saints tomorrow in Jacksonville as football is here. Oh, yeah, don't forget about Pack Attack. Yeah. Homer and Tausch right after the game Huge. right here. 94.5 ESPN. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Can't wait. You know what else is going to be awesome? These wings from Major Goolsby's. They're here. They just got here. Uh, check out Major Goolsby's if you're out here at Summerfest. Check out our street teams from WTMJ and ESPN Milwaukee if you come out here. This has been Special Packers Preview Show live from Summerfest.